welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I'm your host, Wade Brill, and during this series, I'll be interviewing various thought leaders, wellness experts, and humans on how they practice sustainable self-care and mindfulness. We'll get real and raw, talk about the light and the shadow side of self-care and mindfulness, and how we can actually stay centered amid the chaos and the hustle and bustle of our modern day world. So settle in and get centered. This podcast episode is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand self-care and mindfulness platform with over a hundred different meditations, journaling prompts, nourishing recipes, and Pilates flows, all designed to support you feeling calm, focused, and energized as you live your life in this modern day world. For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. Notice how much better you will feel by having a consistent practice to support you staying centered. I am so excited to have Jason Luke with us on the Center in the City podcast today. Jason and I got our mindfulness facilitation certification at UCLA together and Jason is also a wellness coach and we have always just connected on our passion for bringing mindfulness and meditation and authentic connection and community into the corporate workspace. So I can't wait for you to hear all this wisdom that Jason is about to share with us. Um, A little bit about Jason is that he founded the mindfulness program at Yahoo and serves as the global lead. Jason is also a coach and a catalyst and a collaborator for high-performing individuals who seek to overcome plateaus in certain areas of their life, whether it's with healthy eating, exercise, sleep, or stress management. Jason helps clients grow into their full potential to lead fulfilling lives. So settle into this episode and enjoy. Jason, welcome to the Center in the City podcast. Oh, hello, Wade. So good to be here. So excited to have you. I would love to begin how I normally begin with a specific question. And the one that I'm rolling with these days is what does centered, being centered, mean to you? Mm. The word that comes to mind as you say that is, is equanimity, this, um, this unshakable state of mind, regardless of what the external conditions or circumstances are. And I think during these times, that's a very important life skill to have. And I'm really grateful that I've been supported with my own practice to be able to, to have that unshakable mindset, to be to really be centered. And it's not just for myself. When I'm in this capacity, I really support the people that I work with Mm. and the people in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Equanimity has come up a lot on the podcast and I agree that it's so synonymous to this feeling and concept of being centered, particularly as we're in our cities and you're calling in from San Francisco. So another big West coast city that we get to practice being centered in today. 
Jason, share with us a little bit of your origin story. Like, tell us how you got into the wellness and mindfulness world. Hmm. It started when I, uh, oh, there was a, there was a, a new show that's no longer around that's mission was to only highlight positive news in the world. And one of the segments featured this adult sleepaway camp called Soul Camp. And I just felt compelled to go check out what that was. And there I met a number of life coaches and wellness coaches and I got exposed to different modalities within wellness. And that's where I started to feel a little bit of a pinch like, hey, I think I'm supposed to be doing something here. Mm. And so I spoke with coaches and looked into different certification programs and eventually became a, a certified wellness coach through Catalyst Coaching Institute. Um, and as that journey unfolded, I started leaning more into mindfulness and, and mental health. And then I was like, oh, this is actually the direction within wellness that I'm meant to serve. Because when I began sharing meditation with my office colleagues, that's when I felt this feeling of aliveness that I just never felt before. And I always tell people mm. it's, I imagine that's what a maybe a preacher feels like when they're delivering a, a sermon. And even today, when I guide a meditation, like there's, that, there's still that same felt sense that I think is like a signal that that's connected to my greater life's purpose and work. Mm. So how did you bring wellness and particularly mindfulness into your corporate company? Like, how did you get buy-in? How did you take kind of this maybe more woo-woo-y or soft skill practice that you know, and you, you initiated this a few years ago where it wasn't as prominent to bring mindfulness into the workspace and where companies were maybe just starting to emphasize the importance of, of well-being for their bottom line and for employee retention. But how did you get inspired to create this internal program? There was support from the beginning and in the early stages when the company that I was at several years ago, which has kind of morphed over, over time at the time, there was a wellness model set up where every office had a wellness ambassador and it was a voluntary role. And I volunteered for San Francisco. So I got to curate all the different types of programs and events and speakers and, and who else would, would come in. And I just kept hearing the need for a way to better manage stress. And so I started kind of exploring and leaning into opportunities there. And that's how I started hosting a weekly guided meditation for the office. And at first I was just playing a recording because I, I wasn't a, a mindfulness facilitator at the time. Mm -hmm. And then um, that led me to see just how big of a relief and an impact mm -hmm. I was I was making on on my people and what would people come to you and say like what would they share 
like, wow, I'm feeling blank after that. Or what were the kind of shifts that people were expressing after Mm. those meditation moments? Usually just a feeling of a greater sense of of calm. A lot of people would share how, how much more relaxed they felt afterwards. And even if the rest of their day had a number of meetings or a number of deadlines still coming up, they felt like they could be better equipped to go through all those processes. Mm, Nice. And so from that time where you started to hold these sits and had a recording as the facilitator, like how has it transformed to where it is now? And are you able to share what company you're at to talk about that? If not, we can keep it top secret too. Yeah, I just realized, um, I think it's probably fine. I'm, at the time I started, when I started this work, I was employed formally by AOL and then Verizon bought AOL and then Verizon bought Yahoo and we became Verizon Media. And then we just spun off from Verizon. So now we're Yahoo and our, our, our colors are, 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 are purple. And during this, during these, these periods, which is I think very natural, especially in tech to go from merger to acquisition, merger to acquisition and, and spinoff. I hired a, a coach to help me with my own journey. And he helped me to create the possibility of knocking on our chief people officer's door to ask if I could get support with a program. And I, he was, was based in New York and I was going out for a client meeting and just asked if I could sit down for, for 20, 25 minutes just to, to have a conversation about a mindfulness program at the company. And we got together actually around 8.30 in the morning at East Coast time before the day started. And I started us with a little practice and told him about the work that I had done in the San Francisco office to to see if I could scale and expand this work across more offices. And I didn't know what to expect. And I feel really grateful because I got an immediate yes. Just tell me what you need. Amazing. I'll I'll be your sponsor. Let's make this happen. And it was also helpful that he knew that our CEO at the time was a big proponent of meditation and mindfulness. I just want to pause you there because I love that you began with a practice so that he could taste it and experience it versus just talking about it. Because there's so much power in, I'm sure, him feeling the shift that happens with a one minute, a five minute, however many you know minute practice it was versus you just busting out a PowerPoint and trying to swoo him. Um, So that's amazing that you did that. And I would be remiss to not really give a lot of credit to to my coach, Dr. Holm from the MindKind Institute, who reminded me as as I was preparing for this, this meeting, and I was getting so into the details and the agenda items. And he said, 
don't worry about the details focus on the being Mm -hmm. do a practice and the rest will kind of fall into place and that's exactly what happened I was like what just focus on my being really don't I need to have all these charts and all this data ready and he's like you can you can always follow up with that and of course have some ready on hand just don't be so overly concerned about about all the doing Mm. Okay. Let me pause you here again, because you're dropping some wisdom that we haven't yet talked about on the podcast about the beingness, about who we get to be in situations. Can you expand a little bit on that? Because it's a very Ninkochi term and, and practice, but there's obviously so much power and results when we come from that place. Yeah. The, the practice that I guided at the time for our chief people officer, I have a, a pretty standard three minute practice where I get to really set my intention before each meeting. And we happen to have done this before this podcast started as, as well and really choosing how I'm gonna show up. So for this podcast, as an example, one of the words that was coming up for me was ease and open mm. and as I just kind of exhale that like that's what I'm continuing to really feel and and embody and even if it's not top of mind with a word on the on our screen right now it's it's definitely staying in the the background of my my attention to mm. yeah so how we can become these ways of beings or these values or our intentions and embodying them so that they become this kind of guide for how we show up in a conversation can be really helpful and impactful, whether it's, you know, us preparing for our podcast right now, I do this before I do a a speaking engagement or a workshop. Sometimes I even do this if I'm going into like a serious conversation with my husband, you know, just be like, okay, choose love and openness, you know, or patience or whatever is being called because it really helps as a grounding technique. And also kind of circling back to this place of equanimity, like it helps create some stability. Yeah, absolutely. And I would, I would say when you outline a couple of different types of meetings and and gatherings and and connections and my intentions are definitely very different when I'm connecting with a difficult family member or um, a teammate where we're struggling on a project and I think that's when it's even more powerful is to not not get lost and so focused on what's wrong and how to shift sometimes my intention is to be generative to be supportive depending on like what it's, it's about going inside and asking myself, like, what is really needed for this Mm. time? Mm. I love that. And I think that's a powerful practice that I welcome all of our listeners to play with or practice um, wherever you're having a meeting or working on a project or even you're like alone doing work, um, you know, just to really set that grounding foundation and mindset. Okay. I want to pivot back to what you were sharing around having this powerful question with the chief people officer. He said, yes, he was like, I want to be your sponsor. And then what happened? Well, then it's about 
putting together a team because I knew that I could I could do a lot more with a group of, of people. And fortunately through internal networking, I was able to identify other champions, other facilitators. And I created a very small and nimble mindfulness team. Um, and we gathered to connect every week to kind of put together ideas as to what we wanted to build. And we also divided the different projects based on what we were passionate about. For example, my, my co-lead Sandeep is focused on, like his passion is meditation apps. And so he helped establish our partnership with Insight Timer so that our employees could get access there and he curates the community on that platform. Mm. And for me, I love facilitating. And so when we get requests in, like I just facilitated in a, a workshop on self-compassion for one of our teams, like that's what lights me up. So figuring out what, um, what projects align to the, the skills and the gifts that each person on our team has. Mm. And then from that place, like I'm curious being, you know, as a facilitator, and I know you do this as well, we go in, we're normally kind of going into companies as an outsider, but creating this program from the inside, did higher up want to see any outcomes or to track data or to know that there was a bottom line being shifted? almost forgot to mention we had someone focused on research and analytics and that was something that she was totally passionate about so she was able to design uh, survey questions to help us build that data and when I connected with HR about about building this I really thought that they were going to just solely be focused on stress management. And I was so grateful when I heard that overall employee well-being was what they wanted to mm. drive for. And I was like, could I be any more fortunate mm. that it's not just about like the bottom line? I mean, I think there's, there's a connection there. Um, and I really think in terms of a North Star, I couldn't have gotten a more skillful and wholesome and, and noble one to, to shoot for. Mm. And so to answer your, your question, we created surveys over time to help measure the impact from the participants that attend our, our programs. And then we summarize, summarize those to our HR leadership team and also just see from the constructive feedback, what else we could be doing better or what people want to see more of. Mm. That's awesome. That's awesome that that company culture was all about, let's just help people create more well-being, and particularly to have this program in place pre-pandemic to then have the support to help be a thread as we continue to navigate the pandemic, I'm sure is huge. Have you seen like an uptick in involvement 
since the pandemic or interest for people to get more involved or be more curious about meditation and mindfulness? In the first year of the pandemic, there was definitely a surge in interest. And what I'm seeing now is a little bit of a waning. I think there's there's definitely some Zoom fatigue and mm-hmm. just tiredness of jumping on another virtual another virtual meeting. Mm. Interesting. So how how have you and your team been able to navigate that? We are pulling back some in terms of what we're producing and, and sharing with employees from a facilitation capacity. I'm still fielding requests and, and building experiences for teams. And I'm, I'm more focused on specific requests that, that come in, which are, are still really exciting. And hearing from our, our culture team and learning that employees feel like there's just too many emails, there's too many events, like really um, pulling back on the proactive regular offerings. There was a point in time during the first year of the pandemic where I was hosting a different experience every week mm. and then realizing, okay, that's, 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 a, that's a lot. So let me kind of honor this, this feedback and, and pull back and then kind of just provide support on an ad hoc basis. And there's, there's not an absence of that, at those ad hoc requests by any means. So there's still plenty of work to do, just kind of focusing that energy. And when you get pulled into teams, specific teams, what are they typically wanting your support with? There's been a lot of requests for empathy. Mm-hmm. And creating, Snaps for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and creating, creating connection. There's a workshop I'm putting together for next month that um, where the ask has been about also mindful communication practices. Yes, I'd say, and I think that falls under connection. So empathy, connection, communication, that's where I'm seeing a lot more interest. Mm, Yeah, it's such needed work. And, you know, I think there was always this misconception that we were either born empathetic or not. And I think we've started to learn and modern science has taught us that we can actually grow this muscle of empathy and strengthen connection. And so we're not kind of born at this resting point. We get to have this growth mindset around these skills and tools and, and special, excuse me, especially during these uncertain times and the hybrid work situation to practice empathy, to practice connection are so huge. What are you noticing from an internal perspective, like gets people excited about these practices? Maybe right now you're noticing some fatigue, but like for the people who are motivated to show up or pre-pandemic or even at the beginning of the pandemic, like what really gets culture and people activated to practice and enhance their well-being? I know it's a big question, <laughs> but you know, um, whatever you've noticed. Yeah, I love that question. And I was just reflecting on the self-compassion 
survey results that I was sharing with my internal client or, or, or colleague. And I think it really reminded me the, the, the power and the importance of having experiential activities where people can really do the practice. And this particular group, when they reached out to me, they said, we want to do something with mindfulness and we don't want to, we don't want to meditate though. And so the, the structure was changed to a, a journaling practice and some, in some of the survey feedback, I'm still, I still have the words in my head about this was so great because I, I always knew all these stuff intellectually. I just never took the time to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the power of these ex workshops are to give people that time to actually be and do the practices. Because there's so many articles, top 10 ways to be self-compassionate. You can read all you want about it unless you're actually doing it. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a different game. It's a different experience. Mm, I love that because I'm hands down, you know, you and I talk about this offline of really creating our workshops being experiential at less of being slides full of information and how we want people to practice and embody these mindfulness techniques so that when the time comes, they actually have the resources or at least some of the muscles a little bit engaged within them so that it's easier to access. One of my mentors has this phrase that I love that's you don't learn how to swim in a tsunami. You know, you got to learn how to swim pre-tsunami so that when the shitstorm comes, you know, you are able to swim versus drown. And I think that's a lot of uh, emphasize with making time and space for ourselves to do the practices. And not from a place of like, let me check this off the list, but from a place of Real presence and, and, and embodiment. Yeah. And where I go, what's coming up for me as you, as you share that, I've been asked to talk a lot about mental health and, and what I do. And when I was getting these requests, I was really kind of scratching my head because I feel like the education and the training that I've done personally to transform my, my own well-being and my meditation practice have prepared me for this, we'll, we'll say tsunami of this pandemic. Mm -hmm. Like there wasn't a, this sudden nosedive for me because I had all these support structures in, in place. And I think, well, we can't reverse the pandemic at, at this point. And I think everyone starts somewhere. I think when it's probably easiest when there's not something that's, that's, that's pressing or, or really feeling like the whole world's turned upside down to be able to practice from a place where it's just maybe some, some calmer, some calmer waves coming in first. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. The calmer wave, like the kiddie pool, we get to practice in the kiddie pool before jumping to the deep end. Yeah. Like don't wait for the, don't wait for the tsunami to come before you decide to explore practices, mm -hmm. start dabbling. Yeah. Before it gets tough so that you are ready. Yeah. I love that piece of advice. And I 
hope everybody who's listening really hears that and soaks that in because, you know, when I had my shit storm, my tsunami, when getting diagnosed with cancer and my mom passing away, I had already had a taste of meditation a few years prior. And I knew how powerful it was in helping me manage anxiety when in college and, and test taking and, you know, dealing with workloads and all of that, that it was like, oh, this is a tool I want to bring out again. Like these are the floaties that I want to bring out again in this tsunami. And they were already there. So it wasn't like I was scrounging or scrapping to try to find something to help me swim. It was like, oh, I can pull this out. So I love that advice, Jason. Um, as we, I feel like I could keep talking to you about corporate mindfulness and us doing practices all day. Where can people learn more about you, Jason, and learn about the work that you do inside Yahoo and outside of Yahoo? People can come to my website, coachjasonluke.com. And they can also find me on Insight Timer, which if you haven't heard of it, it's the, the largest free meditation app that's available. And that's actually the reason, one of the reasons why I like it so much. And I was able to um, become a teacher on there. And I know, Wade, you are a recent new teacher, yay, on there as well. So just allowing, allowing any and everyone to, to, to find people like you and, and me and to join us for some experiential practices. Mm, I love that. And as you, everybody can hear, Jason has such a beautiful, loving, gentle voice. So how nurturing to be able to hear you guide a meditation. So definitely check, check him out on Insight Timer. Jason, thank you so much for being a guest and sharing your wisdom and your insights with us. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Center in the City podcast. It really means a lot that you take the time to listen to the episode. If this episode resonated with you, take a moment to review the podcast. Leave us a note. We love hearing from our community as well as share the podcast. Share it with anybody in your world or network that you know could benefit from learning more about mindfulness in corporate spaces. Until next time, stay centered.